Miracy. Think about the media as being like baseball, right? You've got your little league, which is like your local newspaper. Then you've got your minor leagues, which is like the second tier media. And then you've got your major leagues, which would be like the Forbes and entrepreneurs, etc. So just like you wouldn't expect to go up to bat at the bottom of the ninth at the World Series, your first time touching a baseball bat, the same goes for media, right? Hello, and welcome to Blowing Up, the podcast that shows entrepreneurs like you how other businesses exploded in the best possible way. I'm Linda Claire Puig, the founder and CEO of Six Figure Newsletters, and I'm here with my co-host, Ari Eni, the head of strategy for the ACES Business Acceleration Program at Miracy. Hey there, Linda. In each episode of Blowing Up, we showcase an entrepreneur whose business, yes, blew up. It experienced what seemed to be a sudden success, but as we all know, that kind of success is not random or a fluke. The company employed a specific strategy that caused its rapid rise in revenue. So today we're gonna dive into that strategy so that you can learn from it and determine how you might apply elements of it to your business. In this episode, we look at the huge blowing up potential of PR, public relations and how to be sure to target the right publications and podcasts to grow your visibility with an audience full of your ideal clients. Our guest is Larissa Banting, an accredited publicist who helps entrepreneurs, authors, and small business owners learn how to profit from free media features. Not only does Larissa have longtime professional public relations expertise, she's also had the experience of blowing up big time through PR while running a destination wedding business. Welcome to Larissa. And now let's jump right into the conversation. So I was a publicist in Canada and we were working on a movie of the week that we were shooting here in Costa Rica. And I met this really cute actor on set and kind of fell in love. So I left everything behind and I moved to Costa Rica. I ended up opening one of the first destination wedding planning companies in Central America. I started getting my weddings published in like Brides and Modern Bride. I did a whole press junket up in New York City and was on Martha Stewart Living Radio and met with all the wedding editors. They created something they called the A-List, like the top 30 destination wedding planners in the world. And somehow I ended up on that list as the only one south of Mexico in Latin America. I'm still like, really? But it was because they saw me in the media and that perception was, well, gosh, she's everywhere. So she's got to be one of the top in the world. So that was in my third year of business. And our fourth year of business, we hit seven figures. Oh, wow. It was pretty crazy. (laughs) Because the other thing too, you have to remember like back then, there was still a lot of misconceptions about Costa Rica. I remember getting a lot of people like, oh, like, are you guys living in the jungle? Do you have paved roads? You know, my dad's not really, doesn't really feel safe sending money to you for the wedding. Those questions fell away once we started getting all those media features because it was like all of a sudden I had credibility. I had authority. I was real. I also like the way you said that you were everywhere. There are a few other strategies where you can become everywhere. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, Linda, getting into something like, say, like Market Watch, 
for example, or Business Insider. They have, I think the last count was 73 million unique viewers per month. So not that 73 million people will see your article, but being on that website that has that ranking, I think it's ranked 844 in the world for websites and having those backlinks to your website is going to raise you up. So, I mean, that's why getting onto these major outlets is really powerful, but where the magic happens and the profitability happens is on these micro, like really specific niche outlets. For example, one of our clients has a multi six figure business teaching women how to reupholster chairs. We got her onto a podcast that's very specific called Thrift Diving. So it's for people who are into taking things and making new life out of them, right? So with that podcast, within mm-hmm. a week of it going live, she had a thousand new subscribers on her email list and the accompanying YouTube oh, wow. channel with the interview had over a hundred thousand views within a week. So when she opened her cart two weeks later, she had 34 sales directly from that list of subscribers. People want to get onto Forbes or Business Insider Entrepreneur, and that's fantastic, but don't discount the power of these smaller podcasts and blogs and outlets, because those are where the people who are your truest fans, who are really interested in what you're doing, passionate are hanging fans. out. Yeah. The passionate fans that are going to take action. Yeah. So you need a balance of both. And you also have to be ready for it. I have a friend of mine who got onto a Good Morning America and she didn't have her website ready for it. So it crashed for one. No. Oh, no. Yeah. She also didn't have a great lead generator, right? Like she didn't have a way to capture that traffic that was interested coming to her website. That is so sad. It's all about building that foundation. If you don't have it, you're going to blow a great opportunity. So tell us a bit more about the publicity business. In PR, we don't have the same kind of hard ROI that you do in, say, Facebook ads. I put $5 in and I'm going to see $10 come out in sales. PR is that foundation. Think about publicity as being the cornerstone that you build the rest of your business house on for sales. Because if you don't have authority, credibility, or visibility, it's going to be really hard to make the sales, right? It used to be seven to 10 touch points before a customer was ready to say yes. Now they're saying it's Mm -hmm. 18 to 20. So how do you get yourself in front of someone 18 to 20 times? If you're doing it in the media, being in a podcast that goes for maybe 30 minutes, You can get so in-depth, they don't need to see you 18 to 20 times. They've heard enough from you that you're like, yeah, I want to do business with this person. Or they see you as a media feature in the newspaper or magazine. If it takes them four to seven minutes to read that, they're going to feel like they have enough comfort level with you to say yes, as opposed to seeing you in, say, a Facebook or a Google ad 20 times. With an ad, you can say you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? Doesn't have the credibility. But If the media, which is a neutral third party, is saying, hey, this person's the greatest thing since sliced bread, well, of course, people are like, oh my gosh, well, if they say that they're that good, then we should go check this out. So it's that low, slow, it's, it's the marathon, it's not the sprint. Also, because of that neutrality, publicity is viewed as being 10 times more valuable than advertising. 
is it only for large organizations or is this also for the small business owner who's just trying to get better known and find their first 20 clients? Think about the media as being like baseball, right? You've got your little league, which is like your local newspaper. Then you've got your minor leagues, which is like the second tier media. And then you've got your major leagues, which would be like the Forbes and entrepreneurs, et cetera. So just like you wouldn't expect to go up to bat at the bottom of the ninth at the World Series, your first time touching a baseball bat, the same goes for media, right? By focusing on that smaller media, it's a way to get your feet wet. You're more likely to get a yes. Same with podcasts, you know, like getting into your your niche specific podcast because they're looking for people to interview. But the benefit of that is, again, those are where those passionate people are. If you went to college or university, guess what? They have alumni magazines. They need to showcase their alumni. Do not underestimate the power of these smaller outlets. When you do get into the media, you need to take that and leverage it as much as possible. So put it into your newsletter, put a link into your email signature, put it on your website, put it on your blog, maybe put it into Facebook and then run ads to it. You want to make sure you put it across all of your social media outlets Mm -hmm. and make sure you tag the outlet and the reporter and send a thank you letter. That one extra little step can make such a world of difference. How does someone get started if they want to pick up this strategy and use it for their own business? Let's just assume that they've got the foundations in place. Okay. So here's what I would do. I would sign up for HARO which is help a reporter out. Reporters need to have experts. Reporters aren't sitting up on some ivory tower, all knowing. They don't. They know how to write, but they don't know about your subject. So get that out of your head that you have to go hat in hand, begging them, right? They need you just as much as you need them. You have what they need in that brain and your experience. They need you to give them that material so they can write something. So If you're fast and you give really good answers, again, like don't give the basic answer that anyone and their dog would know. You're the expert. Give them the answer that you would charge $1,000 for. Like put your best material out there. Give them something that no one would ever think about. That's how you can really quickly, bang, start getting into like some of the top media outlets. If you don't do anything else with media, do Haro. Do you... Give them what they need so they can just include it in their article? Or are they planning to then follow up and do an interview with you by phone? 99% of the time, they're looking for cut paste. So when you answer, you want to give them a succinct but thorough answer that has no spelling mistakes, because that's like nails on a chalkboard for writers. Grammatically is perfect. And that they could literally just cut and paste and put into their article. When it comes to Harvo, here's what you do not want to do. Do not go off on a tangent or start answering other things. Read carefully. Answer what they've asked and that's it. Don't go anywhere beyond that. Don't try to pitch the reporter outside of Harvo because that's a a fast way to get yourself blackballed. Also, there is a deadline. So don't sit back and be like, oh, I'll get to it later. You have to be on top of it. Get into that habit of taking a few minutes to just stop and scroll. If you don't see anything, just move on. And if you do see something, take five minutes and answer. At what point is it time to 
create a press release? And where would you put that press release? You know, when you're pitching, say, a podcast or a major media outlet, that's like taking a scalpel. You're taking a very specific story idea to a very specific outlet. A media release is kind of like taking spaghetti and throwing it against the wall. You're just trying to get the information out to as many people as possible. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you get lucky and somebody will pick it up. We've had clients get radio interviews, newspaper interviews, get sponsorships or partnerships from media releases. This is the thing though. It's not like I can just go and throw anything out there. Right. When you're doing a press release, it has to have a news angle to it. What is the news aspect? Why is this timely? Why should anyone care? You've got to find where it's not sales, it's news. Working with entrepreneurs, I've seen people start the process and then give up after three days. Are there places where people really get stuck? And what would you say to them when they get to those points? It's like anything. It's a new skill, right? You wouldn't start trying to do Facebook ads and expect, oh, I ran an ad, so I should be making $1,000 in sales overnight, right? It's the same with publicity. It is the marathon. If you were going to just do like one strategy, get started with podcasts. But the thing is, know how to do it well. I'm going to give you my inside strategies, if I may. Do we have time for that? Please. Of course. (laughs) All right. So first of all, listen to the darn podcast (laughs) before you pitch. That's the number one pain point. It's like, I don't even accept guests. Why are you pitching me? Or that's not what my podcast is about. Why are you pitching me? So save everyone the frustration and time. Listen to the podcast. So that means go leave a five-star review. And don't just give five stars and go, I like this podcast. It's great. Actually give some meaty review. Like prove that you've actually listened and paid attention. Most people don't bother to leave a review. When you do, you're going to be on their radar. Then go and leave a review on specific episodes that you listen to. And again, get in depth you're going to get onto their radar. Now, don't do that. And then the next day be like, hey, Bob, I'm going to be on your podcast. Like start to dig the well so that it's not (laughs) so blatant that you're just trying to like, hey, I'm on your radar. I want to be on your podcast now. So that when you do pitch, you're already familiar to them. I mean, one of my friends, they get 75 podcast pitches per week and he has one spot per week. Oh, wow. The average journalist gets 52 pitches per day. One of my friends, she's a writer for Forbes. She gets four articles per month under contract. She gets 1,500 pitches per month. And she said about 750 of those end up in spam. And then another 600 and something, they're just blatantly missing the mark. So do your homework. And then when you go to pitch, talk about a recent episode. Hey, you know, that interview you did with Matt and you talked about blah, 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 um, made me think about yada, yada, yada which is why I'm reaching out to you today, because I think it'd be a great continuation of this conversation to talk about blah, blah. And here's what I can talk about. So you want to frame it in a way that A, they see you're paying attention and B, you get how you're there to provide value to the audience. Again, it's not about you. It's not about them. It's about the audience. Here's how I can help your audience. If you come at PR from that position of I'm here to serve, you're going to get a ton of yeses. Also tell them how you're going to promote. Let them know that you understand how the game is played. Like the podcast, they need to have exposure just like you need exposure. 
So if you can say, hey, I'm going to reciprocate. I want my audience to see me on this podcast as many places as possible. It's going to help them out, right? That is going to elevate you to the top 1% of people pitching because most people don't take the time to think past the interview, right? Or they don't take the time to think about how can I be of service to you, the podcaster? They just go at it, me, 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 help me out instead of how can I help you? So let's talk. Super juicy information in this interview about how to get free publicity for your business. It was a great reminder that public relations is useful at any stage of business, but could be especially beneficial for newer businesses without a large ad budget. Here's a quick recap of her recommendations. Be sure you have a strong opt-in freebie on your website. Sign up for HARO, that's Help a Reporter Out. It's at helpareporter.com. Before pitching any podcast host, do your pre-pitch prep work. In your podcast pitch, reference an episode and how your topic could continue the conversation started in that episode. Before writing a press release, make sure you know the news angle and spend a few minutes a day pursuing publicity through podcasts or publications. Big thanks again to Larissa for her generous advice. And be sure to download her very useful gift, 365 Days to Power Up Your Publicity. It's a publicity calendar with more than 1,500 media opportunities that can help you become the superstar of your industry in record time without spending a dime. Get your copy of it at blowingup.rocks forward slash Larissa. That's blowingup.rocks forward slash Larissa, L-A-R-I-S-S-A. This episode of Blowing Up was produced by Linda Claire Puig. Cynthia Lamb is our managing producer and Danny Eaney, our executive producer. Post-production by Post Office Sound. To make sure you catch all the really great episodes of Blowing Up, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, we'd love it if you could leave us a starred review or share the show with a friend. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. I certainly am willing to admit what I don't know. I tend to hold my truths lightly. I try not to have, you know, very firm convictions because I recognize that when you move up an organization, your information is limited because you have a greater breadth of responsibility. I'm Sharon Richmond. I'm an executive coach and consultant with more than 30 years experience working with C-level executives. To Lead as Human is the podcast for you if you want to supercharge your leadership by bringing all of yourself into your role. Listen 
as our guests reveal their hard-won lessons and share their deep humanity. I think the turning point for me was when I realized that I want people to tell me what they think and they're afraid. They were, honest to God, afraid to tell me things. It's like, I checked all the damn boxes, but I am so alone and I'm so unhappy. I'm burning myself out. And when I started looking at like, you know, my fears going into the shadows, sharing it with others, the very thing that would be a nightmare for most people in the workplace it's the very thing that led me to my dreams. My guests know that the influence they have as top leaders comes with an equal measure of responsibility for all their stakeholders. They not only deliver great results for their customers and investors, they do so by building organizations that provide purpose, meaning, and a healthy work environment for their employees. One of the hallmarks of good leadership is clarity. If there isn't clarity around the goals, that creates confusion, that, that creates chaos. What's the end goal? What are we trying to achieve? And that makes people's jobs more purposeful. And people are clearly enjoying that. People who are making their own decisions, they're significantly more motivated in doing what they're doing. Yeah, I've really seen the maturity and growth of those individuals. And I think that we've now kind of really been able to create a lot of autonomy and give people a lot of freedom to do their best work. So not rocket science, nothing too crazy, but, uh, you know, that was definitely a journey. I hope you'll join us every other week as we talk with these inspiring leaders and learn from the very human challenges and successes they've experienced on their own leadership journeys. And you asked me questions that I was like, gosh, I'm not sure I know what my values are. So I know they're there, but I'm not sure that they're articulated. So thanks for asking me those questions. They were hard.